0: andy it's a very special episode is it now wait look it's raining outside I think you can hear the sound of the rain in the background. Can you hear that?
1: I cannot. Maybe more eagle-eyed listeners will be able to pick it up in the final edit when we we put your actual audio in there.
0: Or I'll just fake it and I'll put in a rain sound underneath to make it feel like the way it feels. But anyway, it's the perfect sound for this episode. We're talking about going to sleep, Andy.
1: The idea of just a little bit of rain in the background of a podcast is somehow very appealing to me.
0: I know. It just seems, seems peaceful. It seems right.
1: Yeah. Why is no Maybe we just do that dumbass? with all,
0: all, all future podcasts. Maybe we just layer, uh, layer some rain underneath, and then <laughs> people will think we're so much nicer and more pleasant.
1: I like the idea of us coming up with a dumb idea for our podcast on every episode I and mean, just adding it on to what we do to the show, like a layer cake, some sort of monstrous layer cake. Like on this episode, we decide always a rainy background noise constantly. On the next episode, we're like, you know what? What if we replaced all of the filler words, the ums and ahs, with a little car horn, and we just, you know... Keep building on our idea every
0: episode. Eventually, I'm just a man sitting behind a soundboard, hitting hitting the buttons every three seconds, and we're not talking about a Joe Par at all. We're just making noises.
1: You ever seen videos of those? Uh, I, it's always guys, from what I've seen. Those uh, those old men basically playing those weird uh, multi instrument organs.
0: Mm, I th- are we talking about foley artists? Or are we talking about musicians?
1: This is not a foley artist, to my knowledge. It's somebody who will come. They'll, they'll be dressed, you know, in like a silly vest uh, and like a funny hat. I really hope this is probably not a... Is this a cultural thing? This is this like a specific culture that plays this instrument and I'm making fun of that culture now? I don't know. <clears throat> Look, as far from my perspective, it seems like a silly vest and a silly hat. Uh, and they sit in front of what looks like a piano or an organ and it has lots of levers and pulleys and stuff. But they all make like silly noises. You know, it's like, you know, one's a slide whistle and one goes like, mm. bonk, and there's somebody that sits there and kind of like, very quickly and methodically and in a very practiced way, like pulls all the knobs and whistles and it makes this like cacophonous but
0: structured noise. I can picture this. Yeah, sure. Do they shoot confetti at the end? Um, no, but you're picturing the right thing. Okay, good. I'm going to Google well, silly
1: good. noise organ and see if I can find a video to send you. Maybe you can put a drop a little bit. Isn't it nice
0: when you, when you have no idea what you're looking for and you Google something, you get it anyway? like silly noise organ that's not even close to what it's called but that worked
1: i googled something ridiculous the other day and found what i was looking for uh and i was very pleased with myself mm-hmm. I can't remember what it was it's <laughs> a skill yeah oh anyway matt uh so we are jumping out of the normal canonical episodes of joe Parra talks with you the television program to I have
0: no idea how I'm going to input this into our podcast stream, where I number them very specifically. I'm going to break something. You just but...
1: special or whatever, bonus episode. But we are stepping mm-hmm. back in time to the special that predates the television series uh, called Joe Para Talks You to Sleep. And uh, you and saw this before you saw the television series, correct?
0: I think I saw one episode of the television series... Then I saw this, and then I saw the rest of them. So I did see it early on, but I didn't see... It wasn't the very first thing. I did know that Joe was a real person and not an animated person. Okay, before
1: you saw this. So you did not yes. see this in its initial run in, like, 2016 as part of, No, like, I didn't. You know, uh, the late-night, uh, you know, adult swim, whatever.
0: Shows. No, I didn't. I assume it would have played... It would have been Too Many Cooks and then this. Exactly, must have yeah, been I one think it was in the
1: Too Many Cooks canon of, like, random things they would stick into free slots in the schedule mm-hmm. um what do you think of this episode Matt I feel like I often lead the conversation uh, but I, I want to know what you think of this
0: well I feel like I have a different take because what one it's not even an episode it's by no means like the structure of any other part of the show uh and we should note it isn't an animated thing it's not a live action thing it's a very different tone but the first time I saw it I loved it um but for very different reasons like I think I think the main thing I loved about it was just that there was any show asking you to fall asleep to it not that it's like the only time i've ever seen something like that i think there's a podcast that wants you to fall asleep mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um but it really hit me at a great time because it was right i think i watched I was this for the sleepiest time. <laughs> well i was gonna say i was anxious as fuck and uh i think it was right as the pandemic hit mm. and uh, you so were anxious, anxious about what
1: then what is it you were anxious about
0: uh i can't remember hard mm. to say yeah, probably uh, like uh, maybe maybe I could go back to my journal and see what I was nervous about. Yeah,
1: maybe you were worried you're going to like burn your beans or something,
0: you know. <laughs> just bought a house. All the money is going away, and everyone is sick and dying. I can't. Mm. I don't know what happened. I don't know. Anyway, that is the so thing I was about, about something. A
1: house is when you buy a house, you you have no money all of a sudden. <laughs> yeah,
0: it, <laughs> is, spend, it does. Uh, it does seem that way. You spend I mean, a lot know, of time like,
1: as an adult being like, you know, what's important is to have some money saved up, and then you buy a house and you're like oops back to zero
0: back to no money <laughs> mhm mhm uh yeah i don't know i've i've since reckoned with that but it is pretty hard to just like write a big number on a check and then hand it to a person and be like well here you go that's mm-hmm. uh that's that's all of it so i hope this doesn't burn down mhm hope this goes good mhm <laughs> you got that home insurance check too right yes that part <laughs> oh that one didn't go through your house burned down so goodbye Uh, Yes, these are the things that I would worry about. So anyway, it hit me at a perfect time where I was worried about all these things. I found this show that actually encouraged me to fall asleep and be peaceful as opposed to get amped and watch a show. I don't know. uh, Think about money laundering and drugs or whatever. What other shows do, Andy? Those things?
1: I don't know, but this episode does talk about Bernie Madoff. So, you know, get some shady stuff there.
0: But I loved it. I loved the tone of Joe. This is like the first time I've ever been I'm being acquainted. This idea of this like peaceful, slow-talking man that's going to just encourage me to uh, think about mundane things like Dutch barns. So I was really happy to watch it. And I do, I, I appreciate the little humorous pieces like the Stephen Hawking's bit where <laughs> he explains that Stephen Hawking's cheated on his wife uh, and, you know, to, for a man that thinks about nothing but the vastness of the universe, what does it matter if you cheat on your wife? But then he brings it back around and says, well, if the universe is so vast and you finally found one person to love you, why would you disappoint them?
1: And that was one of the funniest bits for you, you
0: say? I think that's that's an A-plus bit.
1: <laughs> I don't think it's funny at all. I will say it's one of my favorite parts of the episode. I think it's very touching, uh, but I I did not that, that does not strike me as a comedy bit.
0: I think that's a comedy bit. I feel like that's a key part of Joe Perez, that some things... Like, I think some things he probably does as stand-up, and it's not like traditional like jerry seinfeld jokes but they i bet they work hmm. yeah i don't know have you have you watched a joe para stand-up yet
1: no i still have not seen any joe para outside of this television series and the uh, affiliated specials mm. so how do you like this andy um i i don't love it i'll be honest um mm-hmm. I, I, and in some ways it's encouraging like watching this episode uh I, I i don't mind that it's out of the canon of the show and it exists in this different format that's totally fine that's not the sort of core of my complaint um the sort of illustration animation style is like very like rudimentary and kind of naive there's very minimal movement and the illustration is kind of very uh crude um which is also fine i don't i don't think it's a brilliant creative decision. I'm not even sure if it was an intentional crave decision or if it was just, they had a small budget. And so this is what they could afford to, <clears throat> to make. Um, so that I think it does not, it's not my favorite part of the entire thing. Um, but mostly the it's the show is this particular thing is, I think you can hear Joe developing his writer's voice and developing the voice of the character. And there are things in this script that I would say are like obvious misses uh, that I You don't find in the actual television show, which is much more polished and refined, where it's like, that was almost a thing that Joe Perry would say, except it's not. And it makes me uh, feel weird because it's, a, it's in this like weird space. Um, like one of the examples is, you know, early on, uh, he's just talking about the fact that he got a new sweater and he says, I'm trying to do more style. And it's like, yeah okay, I see how that's like a funny, you know, grammatically incorrect construction of a sentence that's very like plain and bland. But Joe does not speak in grammatically incorrect sentences. Uh, he's he's not out here, you know, trying to play with grammar in that way. That's not the sort of core of his character. Um, and so there were things in this episode I thought were, were misses in that sense that uh, really, really I think it's very encouraging because um, and I read about sort of the history of this particular special as it relates to the TV show. And, you know, this was something that Joe kind of made directly with the uh, director and animator that uh, he's worked with on, on one of his stand-up bits or stand-up specials. Um, so it's kind of a much smaller scale thing, just these two people working on it. Um, and I very oftentimes feel that in creative work, like making television or comedy or whatever, that uh, the fewer people are involved, the better a thing you get because you basically get the sort of pure artistic voice of the creator or creators uh, or a small group of creators that is kind of unencumbered by the like design by committee that comes with like a big production team. And, you know, a bunch of people that are all in there with various levels of decision-making power and creative control over something. Um, uh, but this is an example where I think uh, Joe had this like kind of brilliant seed of this character, uh, this, this sort of structure and the way the things he wanted to talk about and I actually think the introduction of of Joe Firestone, of Connor O'Malley, of some of the other writers and directors and producers of the television show elevated it and brought it up to this like much higher level than this particular special exists in, um, and that's encouraging to me that like that is a thing that can happen, uh, and it's not just that you know the author is trying to make pure art and it's always kind of poisoned by uh, having to collaborate with outside forces.
0: Well, actually, it is kind of funny. The Some of our favorite episodes have been written by Connor O'Malley, uh, despite there not being his tone at all. Um, this this show, despite the aesthetics of it seeming very close to Joe Parra Talks With You, I actually think there's other YouTube series that Connor O'Malley and Joe Parra do together that are closer to where Joe Parra Talks With You actually lands. Have you watched any of How to Make It in USA yet? I have not. Maybe we'll come back to that because it's certainly not this, but it is Joe Parra and Connor O'Malley working together, and Joe Parra does play himself. Actually, honestly, closer to himself because he plays a stand-up in that show, and he doesn't play a music teacher living in the UP. But um, th- this this actually feels. Were you a Simpsons watcher ever?
1: I did watch Simpsons a little bit when I was growing up. I was never like uh, religious about it, and I had. I think, the first five seasons on DVD, and I would go back and watch them occasionally. So I'm familiar with The Simpsons, but I'm not not a hardcore fan.
0: I was definitely a hardcore fan when I was a kid. And this... Special feels more like the first few seasons of The Simpsons, where the animation is a little bit crude, the characters' voices aren't the voices quite there, are not quite as funny. <laughs> yeah, and then suddenly I can't remember what season it was. I want to say like season four or five. The Simpsons just three. like kicks into gear, and you're just like, oh, they like nailed the characters. <laughs> suddenly the voices are normal, normal in quotes, right? And uh, it's funny. It's like really, really shockingly funny and i i mean I, it's there's not like a huge shock that you have to like go through a learning curve but it's funny i i appreciate being able to go back and see like where the hint of things are like yeah. you know he's he does have a sweet little home his his dog's a part of it he has these little funny little one liners like the stephen hawking thing um he Still talks don't think about it a joke but okay <laughs> it is a, what it's not a, it's not like a joke joke i don't think it's a funny one liner i think, you it's, don't think a it's very you don't think it's heartfelt humorous story that he's telling you, I think it's humorous though. Okay, to each their own, hmm. Matt. Hmm. I, I think the most funny thing about I stand it could
1: possibly say is that he basically comes to it completely abruptly. There's no preamble. He's just talking about something else, and all of a sudden he's like, "When Stephen Hawking cheated on his wife," uh, like it's just this totally random, like you know, thing that got inserted into the into the flow of the narrative. I, don't, I really think if you were to read that script and go watch just that segment over and over again, like I don't think any of that is written or shot with the intent of being a joke at all.
0: Hmm. I Then why do I take it as a joke, Andy? What are you trying to say? I'm wrong? I don't wrong? know.
1: Maybe you think uh, cheating on your wife is hilarious because you're a sick freak?
0: Maybe I think being kind to the one person that loves you is... Hilarious. Wait, if that's, wait, if that's funny, that doesn't make me look good either. <laughs> I mean, there's something... At a base level, that is
1: just, you know, a background level of humor about the way that Joe speaks and delivers lines. Like the the whole context of the show is um, basically set up to make everything kind of considered and a little bit put it in this different light, which I guess shakes you out of like a, a complacency that you could kind of perceive as like humorous. But I think there are many other parts of this episode that are meant to be funny uh, and lines that are meant to be jokes. But I don't see the line in there. that's like. That's a funny line.
0: <laughs> what made you laugh? Or nothing.
1: Uh, the parts so I think the the funniest line in the entire thing is where he says uh, it did work out for Robert Adams who realized 18 years too late that he should have spent more time <laughs> with his sons instead of going to 3D movies with his friends. Yeah. That line's hilarious because it's set up to be like he, first of all he shows us like, you know, a businessman like nicely dressed in what seems like a city park sitting on a bench and the that sort of uh, shot and then the way this thing is written and how slowly Joe says it, it's all set up for it to be like this guy who spent all this time at work. He spent all this time making a bunch of money and being successful and, and ignored his kids. And it gets to the end and it was going to 3D movies with his friends, which is so good because 3D movies were only really a thing for that little window of time.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. just- I don't know if that was... Was that written at the time, knowing that three D movies would move on so quickly, or I think so. For me, like the three D movie thing was
1: basically just Avatar and like the year after. Like that was it was like two thousand six or seven or whatever was mm-hmm. the three D movie years. I, I understand <laughs> there are still three D movies now, but I think people are kind of over the gimmick of it a little bit. Um, that is, I think, a very funny line. Um, I also think it's very funny when he says at the end, "At least you're not in jail like Bernie Madoff," and then he goes, "Maybe, well, maybe you are." Oh, I'm sorry, <laughs> <It's> just like. <laughs> Like, that's very funny to me. Um, So I think there are specific jokes in here. I also really like the line... I think this is definitely also a a joke. Um, I can't get sad about Barnes. I owe it to myself and my choir students not to be upset about Barnes. (laughs) Which is... (laughs) Like suggests this like deep underlying issue with Barnes that has come up over and over again enough that Joe has developed a coping mechanism and a script to himself <laughs> in his own head where he's like, no, no, Joe, Joe, we can't go. Joe, to Joe, we're not place. doing this again. We, we can't, can't do go the, the Barnes again, again Joe. Joe. We're not
0: going to be upset about Barnes. Joe, if you come into this classroom one more time and you have to bail because you're upset about Barnes, you don't have your job anymore. I need you to get over the barn thing, Joe
1: yeah so those lines are funny to me i the where he basically says I mean, we could probably remember the exact script he's like you know stephen hawking cheated on his wife but think about it this way he's this guy that thinks all day about how the universe is vast and galaxies within galaxies and you know what is it what does it matter if one guy cheats on his wife uh and then you know the very heartfelt but if you find one person that cares about you why would you want to upset them or you know break their heart or whatever i don't know it's, it's a nice segment um it's just, like, again, we don't have to get hung with the stupid detail of whether or not it's a joke, but I think it's interesting. You're really,
0: for- <laughs> You're really upset that I called this a joke.
1: No, I'm not upset. I, I think it's interesting that we see it differently because uh, I, I, I think it's like a mindset that I watch this show in, which is that mm-hmm. I try to watch it earnestly and assume that things are not jokes for the most part, right? Assume that these are like genuine things that the joe and the writers want us to think about and take seriously because that's how joe approaches the world and so it's like i think that's a very like heartbreaking and honest story about a theoretical physicist that cheats on his wife you know Mm uh and how sad that is um yeah i don't know and then like the barn thing is kind of similar i think the barn thing is very serious also i think it's very serious and sad and it's only funny because of this deep suggestion that like Joe has ruminated on the sadness of abandoned Barnes for so long that it's like a, a persistent problem in his mental health and has to like talk himself down from the being sad about
0: Barnes ledge. Um, yeah. I will say one thing that is odd is that this Stephen King, I mean Stephen King, Stephen King Hawking, actually that is close, shockingly similar. Hmm. Stephen Hawking. Names that sound like uh, other names. That idea, that idea I've heard in more than two stand-up specials. Like people making fun of the idea that he cheated on his wife. In but that specific maybe way? That's, no. Joe's you, Joe's take on it is very unique. Everyone else's take on it is like, well, he was in a wheelchair and therefore that's weird. It's not a very that funny, funny
1: joke, stand up comedian.
0: <laughs> Isn't it weird that anybody can be attracted to somebody in a wheelchair? Good joke. Mm-hmm. He fucks. Or maybe the other way around that he wasn't able to I don't know. Anyway, it's not worth debating. But I appreciate Joe's take on it. Andy, here's okay, so here's a real question. Do you watch TV and go to bed or have you ever done that?
1: Um like you be like, fall asleep on the couch or like my or like have Like a would you ever routine. use TV
0: as a way to fall asleep?
1: No, but I do use YouTube that way. Mm, okay. I have uh, I've taken to watching a lot of YouTube uh since the,
0: the Quar times, which is bad. It's a bad habit. But um do you think of YouTube and TV as different because you're watching like things that wouldn't appear on TV. You're not just watching TV on YouTube.
1: Oh, it's very different to me. It's like, uh, like YouTube is like, uh, like television is to YouTube as like, uh, I don't know, like broadcast radio is to podcasts or as like, you know, music is to podcasts or something like, uh, like the reason I like YouTube channels is I get to watch people like do mundane shit and like get to follow these channels and learn these personalities. And like, you know, they become like a character in my like pantheon of characters in my life, right? Uh, which is not why I watch TV, but it is why I listen to podcasts. It's like, it's why I like that thing. So, like, I actually have one YouTube channel that I specifically go to when I'm trying to fall asleep. Have you ever watched any of the videos from the lockpicking lawyer? No this uh it's a lock picking it's a guy that's a lock picking <laughs> lawyer <laughs> so what did he do exactly <laughs> and uh, his, he has a youtube channel where i don't know how long he's been doing this uh but he's got a youtube channel with just thousands of videos of him picking locks and then taking them apart and describing them he has a very like soothing uh like it almost sounds scripted the way he talks he speaks very precisely and slowly and like doesn't get excited about anything you know viscerally like him excited is saying like This lock is really strong. (laughs) That's him, like, you know, at 11. Um, And there's something very soothing about uh, watching this guy who cares a lot about his hobby, which is picking locks. And I get to see, like, examples of locks from all over the world and all different kinds of locks that I never even knew existed. Uh, And then I get to see this guy, like, pick them and take them apart. He takes them all apart then and shows you how the pins and, like, the bidding works inside. Uh, And it's just, like, the perfect thing to, like, really make me very sleepy. (laughs) And they're also all, like, Five to ten minutes long. The vast majority of them are very short, five to ten minutes long. And so it's like, depending on how sleep I am, maybe I'll watch like one video, maybe two uh, until I'm ready to fall asleep.
0: I just wanted to get a sense of you were in, if you were even familiar with this idea of people watching things to fall asleep. I feel like you could oh, have been. Oh, like, my dad did it. Constantly. Oh, no. I would never. I can't believe people would watch a thing and fall asleep. That makes me uh, anxious, like drinking coffee or something.
1: No, 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 um, no. I mean, my dad did it all the time. He would always sleep in front of the TV. Uh, and I, I know a lot of people who like, have to have the TV on in their house. Otherwise, they just feel like it's empty and scary. And that's kind of like a background noise thing. I think that's true for them falling asleep, too. Um, yeah, I'm definitely familiar with that idea. I just, I, um you know, we didn't have a TV for the longest time. Um And now we do, and it's actually kind of a big part of our life, especially under quarantine. Um, but uh we try not to, like, even still, like, it's not, like, the default place to go. And I, I would never consider falling asleep in front of the TV in, like, the den. I would, like, go there to watch something specific. I wouldn't, like go there and then veg and just
0: turn on whatever's on or whatever. I used to very specifically watch, like I would very specifically watch Mr. Show on repeat when I was a teenager and fall asleep or like just have it on all the time in my room. When I
1: was younger, I watched all of the late night shows uh, every night constantly for years.
0: That's I have a hard time doing that now. Do you find that grating and annoying now?
1: I haven't watched a late night show. I mean, definitely since I left for college uh, and probably well before that. this is like middle school, early high school. And specifically it was a time when we were living in uh, we had to our family had to move into a smaller house and uh, my my parents felt guilty about having to move us into a smaller house, and the one concession they made is that like we didn't have like a separate like playroom for me anymore. I guess I was like in middle school, so I wouldn't call it a playroom, but we didn't have a, a den, a place where we can play video games or whatever that was separate from like the family room. So I let me put like the TV in my room that we used to have in like the basement downstairs in our old house. Uh, and that was very dangerous for my for my <laughs> sleep schedule because I could just basically, I had a big, giant, comfortable chair. I love this chair still to this day. Uh, I, I resent that I don't have it anymore. Big, giant, comfortable chair uh, right in front of the TV. And I would oftentimes fall asleep in that chair watching late night shows. Uh, I watched every night I would watch uh, Letterman, then switch over to NBC or let's uh, switch over to the other one. CBS is Letterman, NBC is then is Letter is a uh, Conan. Conan. Switch yep. over to Conan. And then I'd usually stick around for uh, Jimmy Kimmel who was on after Conan at that time, I think. Um, Carson Daly? Oh Carson Daly, that's who it was. I get all those very similar looking white dudes confused. It was Carson Daly after after Conan. I'd watch those three every school night <laughs> for <laughs> Probably three or four years. Uh, and then after Carson Daly, there was always this other show. Sometimes it was uh, the the joke night at the Apollo show. Is that what it was called?
0: Oh, yeah. yeah I, don't I remember that.
1: I remember talking to like the Carson Daly show ended at like 330 in the morning or something. And I had to be at school at seven. Like I would sometimes watch a show that was on after it. It was bad. Um, but yeah. So I did a lot of sleeping on that chair in front of the television uh, when I was a kid, for sure. Yeah. I had a lot of uh, Carson Daly talks me to sleep.
0: Not quite as soothing. What a, what a, terrible, what a terrible take on that. <laughs> not quite as
1: soothing. Um, I want to talk about my my chief uh, overarching complaint about this episode. Uh, we talked about some of the sort of small lines, which I felt like were not quite hitting the tone of who I perceive the Joe Perry character to be quite right. Um, sure. But the thing that really gets me is that this episode has this, like, randomness to it, uh, which is a, which is a whole, like, segment of absurd comedy where like just random stuff happens, you know, sometimes. Um like the the way that it's paced, that it jumps from subject to subject and then all of a sudden they're just for no reason you're talking about Bernie Madoff being in jail. Uh it has this like very just random uh pacing which uh I don't think suits the show. I think that that makes it feel cynical and it undermines the earnestness that is it pervades everything. And if you take any of these little, like, chunks of this episode in isolation—the chunk about Stephen Hawking, the chunk about the Barnes—you uh, know, those—the chunk about the, you know, the voicemails—like, those sections on their own have that kind of genuineness and authenticity. Mm-hmm. But the kind of just crunching them all together back to back into this, like, and now we're talking about this. Now we're, t- but, but you won't think we're going to bring up something totally random. But now we're going to talk about this other thing. Uh, just. I feel like it feels cynical, and it just it undermines the whole point of the whole. Like the thing I love the most about the television show, Joe Parra talks with you.
0: I take that so differently. Like, I don't. One, you keep calling it an episode. I feel like this has this is like so far outside of the show. Like, I feel like it's an important setup to watch the talks you back to sleep episode to know where we're coming from. But it's so outside of the show. I think of it. This is like they had. They knew it was only going to be one thing. They had a bunch of little ideas. It's like these little, you know, it's like a little notepad or these little stories. Like I don't, I don't actually see that as making it feel disingenuous because it's these random things. It's just the, the format of what this one-off thing was going to be. Um, you know, I could just imagine these like little vignettes that he had an idea about. He put them together and said, okay, how do we make do what we have? Well, we'll use stock footage. We'll use an animation. We'll use, uh, you know, the Ken Burnsy, like fo- just panning across a photo, um, I, just, I take it so differently. I don't think that has to do with it being disingenuous. It's more just like on a path to find a voice and even set up the idea of this show. Like this, the show could have never existed. This could have existed, and I'd still find it kind of sweet and charming um, and serving its purpose. Like I think I don't think the show is trying to put you to sleep or uh, put you in that exact mood. I think this of just like being things you don't have to pay attention to this kind of randomness that doesn't matter is it's okay to just fall asleep at any time. You're not going to miss anything. Sure.
1: I hear what you're saying. I'm not saying episode is in like part of a show. I'm just, that's the word I happen to have chosen show, whatever. I I understand that it's totally separate and I certainly get why it's made the way it is made. I just Mm -hmm. don't think that that structure serves the underlying, mission or the underlying voice of being very earnest right and making yeah. you stop and basically like turning every viewer into a little bit of a joe para by making them stop and think about something they haven't thought about before uh it, like it's kind of too like uh manic to really let you focus and really think about the barn or whatever um anyway the the i think We'll have a very uh, good episode to follow this one up. Maybe we should even do this one. I don't know. What's that when We're going to do it. But the the special that is actually associated with the television show, uh, Joe Para brings you relaxing old footage or whatever it's called. Um, oh, the
0: pandemic special that just came out.
1: Yes. So that one to me is uh, exactly what this special would have been had the voice of the show been as clearly defined and the sort of show been as well sort of understood to the creators Mm -hmm. uh, when the time it was created. I think that one uh, does not have this same kind of like I'm being random. I'm just (laughs) saying whatever I want kind of like tone. And I don't think that one has anything that undermines the like earnestness and genuineness of of it. I think it's like a very successful, like self-contained thing that covers multiple subjects that kind of bounces around. But like here it feels like they're trying to like, get laughs or, like, trade on the randomness where, like, we're just going to jump to Bernie Madoff in prison or we're just going to jump to, you know, uh, Stephen Hawking cheating on his wife or, you know, whatever. Um, And getting those kind of, like, cheap laughs, for lack of a better phrase, uh, doesn't fit the show to me.
0: I think that's fair. I mean, I would agree with you that the, the latest Pandemic special that came out is so much more evolved, doing the exact same thing. I think maybe the reason I have such a different reaction, though, is that because I watched it so early before seeing much of anything on the show, this still got me—this still pushed me in that direction where I wanted to see more, and then I was pleased when the, like, more final version came to be, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. To be clear, like, these criticisms, uh, the only reason I can, like, articulate them well enough is that the TV show does exist, and it provides this, like— beautiful paradigm that upsets the bar so high that it's easy to be like, oh, well, here actually you kind of fell short of this incredibly high bar except by this great TV show. <laughs> and I do appreciate having seen it because it does give you this insight into what an idea looks like in its earlier iterations, right? You can see the through line, how this show became the television show and how things were cleaned up and changed and, and I think how, how Joe found his writing voice maybe a little more, with a little more clarity. Um, so I like it for those reasons. But uh, but yeah, like I, I would have been... F- I, I saw it at at the end of seeing all the TV show or the vast majority of the TV show. And going back to it, uh, I was just kind of like, eh, this is just not, it's not what I love about the TV show. And I I don't know what I would have thought about it if I had seen it prior. I don't know if I can put myself in that headspace to genuinely. Actually,
0: one thing that's funny is I brought up the Simpsons earlier. I cannot watch those early versions of the Simpsons. I can't do it at all. I can watch good Simpsons, but I can't watch season one Simpsons. It like ruins things for me or like, destroys an idea i I, really hate it yeah yeah uh and but here's the thing it's not a bad if if the later simpsons never existed i probably would enjoy it just fine i probably would really like it actually because it's like on a scale of all tv it's good Mm -hmm. it's just it's just so bad compared to the good version of the simpsons that it upsets me Mm -hmm. maybe this is what's happening to you
1: maybe yeah but it's it's um yeah maybe it could be that's that's definitely part of it i think like I, i don't know how i would perceive this special if I saw it first, uh, can't put my mind in that
0: space. Um, I, I will, one thing I do want to say though, is because I was looking, so I watched this on YouTube because I think it originally came out, or I think early after it premiered on adults, Swim, they just put it on YouTube for a long time. And that's where people watch it as opposed to like buying it on iTunes or, you know, whatever, mm-hmm. whatever made it hard to watch the show for you originally. Um, the, the mashups that people make of this, or sorry, the like remixes that people make of this, there's a 10 a hour video, of Joe just hitting a baseball and saying nice over and <laughs> no. over again. And I think that works really really well. <laughs> That's really good. I like that. So if you if you want a version of this that maybe is more polished and working, just watch 10 hours of Joe hitting a baseball in a batting cage and saying nice. 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 <laughs> That's quite so good. So Andy, do we do we even rate this? Do we have to like come up with some sort of new scale? uh no, i think we should we... still rate it
1: i mean it's it's a we'll rate it because it's the thing we're talking about in the show I, I i honestly maybe we'll end up watching some other like uh you know supplementary materials related to the show and doing episodes about them so i, I think yep. we should rate it um but what do you think we should i think we should do uh you Stephen know hawking zero to ten uh, abandoned barns in central new york is my vote. okay
0: yeah you have to you have to make sure they're actually in central new york and you can't just lie about them and pretend they're in pennsylvania yeah that'd be random okay that would be pretty random. Okay, so how many uh, abandoned barns in New York are you going to give it out of 10?
1: <sighs> I mean, so the scale has meaning. I think I'm going to give this like four abandoned barns mm. out of 10 abandoned barns.
0: I was going to give it five. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stick with five because I gave the dance episode five. I The dance episode is more Joe Parrishow, but if we, I think we agreed that the scale is not only Joe Parrishow. It's just like things we enjoy i still enjoy this a lot uh i have fond memories of it you know remembering back months ago remember nostalgia about months ago andy Mm. uh if i I remember all the way back to months ago i I don't know what you're (laughs) talking about
1: we've been in quarantine now for about six and a half years so i mean months ago was pretty
0: similar (laughs) to what it is right now i guess we do it is easy to have nostalgia about the about a couple months ago when everything falls apart first you're like remember back in the day when you could go places yeah um so I am going to give it a five because it's by no means a purpose purpose, 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 purpose It's by no means a perfect Joe Pair episode, uh, nor a perfect TV show. But I think it is still a very charming episode of anything or a special of something. Uh, and it's definitely going to be rated better than a Carson Daly show.
1: Oh, certainly. <laughs> Carson I Daly would give it not rate highly on any scale for me. Um, <laughs> Thirteen yeah.
0: out of ten Carson Daly's, but Carson Daly would get zero out of ten. Abandoned barns in New York.
1: Yeah, I mean, I guess the way to describe this for me is that I really only enjoy it on a meta level. Like, as an example of, look, here is the sort of seed of an idea that became great. Uh, I would not I would not have regretted never having seen this. Like, if I never saw this, I'd be fine. <laughs> it, it would have been no problem whatsoever. Uh, and in some ways, I could have kept the, like, pure Joe Para Talks With You television series, uh, which I think is cohesive from beginning to end and doesn't show any of the sort of underlying skeleton the way that this sort of special does. And it would have been maybe nice to keep that like pristine thing, which is a part of why I haven't watched any other Joe Perry stuff either. Cause it's like, mm. it will contextualize and make me think about things differently. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I do want to mention here, um, just two other, uh, media things. This reminds me of, uh, so on the idea of like an author being in control and that leading to something great, uh, and other people like polluting it and kind of ruining it with their influence. Um, it made me think about uh, Star Trek, which you're not a Star Trek fan, correct?
0: No, no, I've not. I've seen a couple of episodes. Sure.
1: Um, I am a Star Trek fan, specifically The Next Generation. I haven't watched much non-The Next Generation Star Trek. Um, but I think about that show, Matt, which you which you wouldn't know, is that it existed for seven seasons, I believe. And the first couple seasons are good, but it really picks up in season three. And then like, season three, four, and especially like five and six are like just top-notch, excellent television. Um, And what happened there is that the creator of the show, Gene Roddenberry, actually died, like, right around the production of the second season. Um, And since this happened and, like, his production team and everyone else was working on the show kept doing the show and kept kind of going in his honor... Um, but they've said in, like, you know, interviews and stuff since then, and basically, like, Gene's vision for his show, for his Star Trek, was that, like, it was a utopia, and everybody was nice, and everybody got along, and, like, the crew always worked together to, like, combat this outside force, which was some mysterious thing happening in the universe. And then when he died and no longer had, like, sole creative veto power on the show, or was, like, you know, entirely in charge of what was on screen or not on, was not on screen um he the crew other people basically introduce this idea of conflict within the crew which like humanize everybody in a much more real way because no you know no human beings or in this case any kind of beings and not all humans uh could possibly like always get along and like always be on the same page it's just not like realistic well
0: except Joe Perra, but you know besides that
1: right but it, that's an example to me of like uh you know this person who creative is great thing. Like Gene Roddenberry is credited with so many of the things I love about Star Trek and yet couldn't, couldn't see this last little bit uh, and wasn't in a position to hear criticism from his collaborators and like make the change while he was still around. Uh, and so what I see in having seen this special now, what I see is that, and I'm, I could be reading into this and projecting, but it seems like Joe has this like seed of a character of his great idea. Uh, but, is really benefiting from the help of the production company, the additional writers, like they are helping put it into greater context and like introduce some of those other things that maybe Joe wouldn't have seen uh, himself is, is what is the read I get on it? Um, Yeah.
0: Well, if you think about it that way, it would be, it does seem especially hard to write yourself as a character with no outside perspective. Like how, how good are you at identifying what is charming about yourself? That's honestly kind of weird. Yeah, Um, definitely. It sounds very hard. (laughs) You need someone to tell you to not wear a cowboy hat today or something. Um,
1: So, yeah, I mean, I think it's a testament to how great the collaboration is on the team that is currently making a television show, because it feels so much like one voice. Um, Yeah. But it's not. It's a collaboration between people. Um, And the other thing this reminds me of, uh, just in the sense of, like, you mentioned how, like, you know, the first couple episodes of The Simpsons are all kind of janky, and they had to get things figured out and figure out their animation style and how they Illustrated the characters and they swapped out voice actors and stuff. Um, I did want to mention uh, Calvin and Hobbes, which, which I have returned to under quarantine. I went back, got out my Calvin and Hobbes complete series when you know the anxiety was at its peak at the beginning of quarantine, and just read through the entire thing again, back to front. Uh, and that 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 comic is such a triumph in so many ways, not the least of which is that there is no difference between the beginning and the end of that comic like uh like the early uh you know strips are not any worse uh they are mm-hmm. not there's no awkwardness there's no like finding his voice like it just kind of sprang uh from bill kind of fully formed there are some examples of like calvin and Hobbes adjacent stuff he was working on prior to it that was definitely like you know a predecessor to calvin and Hobbes. but um, really like the only things that changed over the course of the series mm-hmm. is that um You know, over time, as the strip became popular, the newspapers he was syndicated in gave him more creative control and let him break the sort of format of the normal strip, especially on Sundays. He kind of get control, do whatever he wanted. So that's something you see. You see, like, more creative uh, control given to Bill and sort of less sort of templated structures. Um, and then, uh, at some point, he stopped drawing the pads on uh, on Hobbes' paws. And that's basically the only, the only <laughs> refinement he made. At some point, he was like, you know, what, we don't need the pads here. These are just visually messy. You just have them have little fuzzy hands instead. And that's, The uh,
0: audience understands that this is a tiger. We get it.
1: Yeah. Anyway, I had to just make a call to that because uh, I'm, I'm constantly impressed at that that strip uh and for all the ways in which it is incredible and that is one of them you know like the first couple strips are great and then it just continues being great all the way through and there is not there's not a couple bad years or whatever in there
0: when you started talking about that i was a little bit worried you were going to say there are early bad Calvin and Hobbes, and i I just blacked those things out i'm glad to know that it's all still safe i can go back and enjoy it yeah because i feel
1: read them all chronologically you will not be disappointed
0: i wonder where those are i bet they're at my parents house somewhere Now that I have a house to put them in, maybe I'll go steal them (laughs) back from myself. I think
1: your parents will be very happy for you to quote unquote steal your shit that is in their house still.
0: (laughs) They do occasionally come to my house with like a thing that they're giving to me. Yes. And this is the thing that happens to my house. I am skeptical. Like, I think maybe they're giving me garbage (laughs) and they're calling it a gift. Mm -hmm. Um, Hmm. Parents throwing up I with boxes of that. stuff
1: they don't want anymore and they're just like here just it's yours now you have to deal with it. Uh, Here's this
0: really nice thing and you're like, "What? I'm not going to use this." What do you mean? "Oh, thank you." "Oh, no, that's to go in my basement."
1: Yeah, exactly. My mom showed up with like a big <laughs> uh, a big box full of like all this old like art I had made when I was a kid and like, you know, little cards and like stuff. And I'm like, I don't want any of this stuff. Like I'm just going to throw it out. And she's like, you can't throw it out. I'm like, well then why are you giving it to me? <laughs> I don't, you're just giving me a burden now. Now I have to put this somewhere.
0: Yeah. That's the thing. No <laughs> one can throw it out, but no one wants it. Mm. <laughs> um, This is a good well, 42 minute
1: podcast about an 11 minute television special.
0: You're going to be excited to know that next episode we get to go back to the series, mm. but we still get to talk about sleep mm. And we can also turn an 11-minute episode into a 35-minute or 40-minute 40, episode, 40 minute episode if you want to.
1: Yeah. No, I'm glad we talked about this one, though, because uh, people that are listening, I don't want them to think that I am just, you know, I've been very high on the show uh, from every episode we've talked about. And uh, now you can see that I'm not just, you know, damning it with faint praise. Uh, like I'm, I'm, ha- I'm more than happy to criticize something if I, if I don't think it's great. But so many episodes of this TV show actually are just incredible. So that's where I'm at.
0: Now, you know, Andy's not a ding dong.
1: We have a, uh, there's one thing I want to make sure we talk about on uh, either the next episode or maybe the one after that, uh, which is, I don't know if I want to spoil it now. I have recommended this show to many people and uh, without fail, every single one of them has come back and said some variation of the same thing to me, which I did not read in the television show. Like I, I never saw this thing and did not think it. Everybody I've shared the show with has thought it, and they're like, "Is this what this show is?" And I was like, "What? What are you talking about?" Uh, and I, you apparently haven't seen it either, otherwise you would have maybe brought it up. So on the next episode, maybe we'll talk about that. Uh, this this
0: thing, this thing everyone's seeing that I'm not seeing in the show. Wow, I didn't know we'd end on a cliffhanger, but this is good podcasting, Andy. Got to keep This it is good pod. back for more. Okay, well our our listenership will double after this. We're going to get that Spotify 100 million money. That's it's not cliffhanger's work.
1: Uh, if you have a cliffhanger, then a bunch more people will hear the people, whole This is what happens. Before. People
0: are always talking. They're like, "Hey, did you listen to that podcast where there's that cliffhanger?" And they're like, "What? What happens?" They're like, "That's not that's what cliffhanger means. We don't know." And then they come and they listen. Look, who want listeners. I understand now, how
1: We just have to make a murder podcast. That's the only kind of podcast that's really left anymore.
0: Is the cliffhanger that somebody's gonna die next episode? We don't know. Come back and listen. It's about murder, maybe. Could be about murder. We should just rename this podcast. Could be about murder. <laughs> and then it's just a secret Joe Para podcast. <laughs> it's a question. Could be Could it be about murder? Question mark? The answer is no. But All right. we asked. All right. All right. the question. All
1: right. So our new podcast is a show. <laughs> could be about murder. And then it's actually just a Joe Para fan cast, and every episode just got a nice background noise of rain going on the entire time. Never expect.
0: <gasps> wow
1: there's a mystery for you there's a mystery for you 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 murder freaks why is it raining yeah is
0: it raining is it raining is it fake does it do they live in seattle or something where it's just raining all the time this is another cliffhanger. sometimes i can't believe it's actually a podcast called my favorite murder Susanna loves it it's like we're talking about murder people it's murders one of the best things Susanna ever said to me was uh we had ju- She had just made me stop watching a horror movie. Or, you know, we were watching a horror movie together, and she said, "She was like, I can't watch this anymore. It's too scary. And then we were going on a walk with the dog, and she explained this, like... Th- here's the weird thing about these murder shows. They have names for all the types. So she's explaining the family annihilator story <laughs> that is one of many. And <clears throat> she gets to the end of it, and she's like, hey, what do you think? And I was like, I can't believe... You turned off the horror movie because it was too scary, and you just explained this whole thing to, to me a real
1: life documentary of a family annihilator
0: and she and she said to me, she said, "Oh no, no, but this is real <laughs> 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 oh. and uh yeah, so you know the the movie about the the scary uh mysterious. I don't know what person that follows you. That is not a movie we can watch together. It's too scary. But the family annihilator that kills everyone and then leaves town. It's fine. It's real. It's real. You know, it's real.
1: (laughs) Sometimes I try and read books, but then I'm just like, you made all this shit up. This didn't happen.
0: This is, this book's all made up. This book's all made up. It's too scary. (laughs) I have to go learn about the slaughtering of humans. Yeah. I mean, Mm.
1: it's, It's funny. But also, I understand where she's coming from. There's this, uh, you know, dramatic jump, scary production values to things that are produced to be scary that are not don't exist in documentary things.
0: But uh, I'm not saying I don't understand a little bit. But it does make for a good story. Yeah, that's a good story. You're right. Now it's a 45 minute podcast
1: about an 11 minute television show. Okay. Goodbye. Love you, Joe Parra. Hugs and kisses.